Hi, thanks for joining us on the Estate Agents Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Stephen Brown. Morning, Stephen. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Surviving the winter flu. Unfortunately, Luke can't be with us today. However, we've finally locked this man down thanks to Richard Morris of EA Mindset. So thank you, Richard. It's taken a week or two to get the dates locked in, Glenn, but we're pleased to have Glenn Twiddle on the show. Um, And Glenn, what struck a chord with me immediately is your enthusiastic personality and personable nature when we were WhatsApping each other. You recorded personal voice messages. Do you favor that as as a personal interaction? Oh, man, you know, these teenagers that can type with their thumbs faster than you and I can speak English, that ain't me, you know. Um, I, I'm, <laughs> I, if I can just push a button and just talk, I'll take that option any day. <laughs> Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Glenn. Um, well, I suppose, uh, yeah, you guys just mentioned it's um, uh, winter there. Well, on the other side of the world, it's beautiful, hot down here in Australia. And um, so I suppose I'm a, an Australian real estate coach and, of um, you know, through being mentored by podcasts like this, by uh, mentors and audio programs and learning, and then the subsequent implementation of those things, I've managed to do what I call in my book punching above your weight. Now, I don't know does that does that saying translate, or is that an Aussie thing? Because some of the Americans that I've done work with don't know what that that means. But does no. punching above your weight translate? No. Punching above your weight translates perfectly. Many people say that uh, about me and my uh, fiance. <laughs> certainly. Well, and because it's a double meaning. Not only is my partner, if you check it out on Facebook, you'll see Naomi. She's a freaking 10 and I'm a good solid five and a half if I'm lucky on a good day. <laughs> so there's that. But there's also, you know, the double meaning is that I'm one of the few people that I I somehow, and I still pinch myself that I've been able to learn enough to be able to do this. And that's be in business with, socialize with, work with, and, you know, hang out with both in business and in play and just hanging out, you know, my childhood hero in Arnold Schwarzenegger and my entrepreneurial hero in Richard Branson and Oh, Sir Richard Branson, he always goes by the Sir now, and you know Gary Vaynerchuk or Eric Thomas, and just just my heroes. I mean, one of the guys on your podcast has been the great Aussie entrepreneur John McGrath. You know, well, one of the first events I did with a name person was the great John McGrath, and I'm just I'm honoured that I get to again what I call punch above my weight because if if genetics or skill or inbuilt talent was anything to go by. My name should not be the name associated with those those icons of their various industries, and yet here we are, you know. So, um, so it's been a fun ride that I've used the marketing, positioning, and you know the the I suppose the celebritizing skills on my business to put me in a position where I could make that happen. But the more important thing is using those same skills to make real estate agents in their local area like rock star famous so that when their clients talk to them, they feel like real estate agents, when they apply some of these tactics, not only are, you know, tolerated begrudgingly by their target marketplace, but they're invited in and those consumers feel like they are in the presence of someone who is more than just a real estate agent, even a local celebrity. And um, it, 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 ends up with a very different business life that my clients get to live by implementing the same principles that have me living my dreams as well. It's been a wild ride, I tell you guys. Well, that's a bit of an introduction. So Sir Richard Bankson, Gary V, Arnie, I'll be back. So tell us more. <laughs> how did um, how did that happen? You know, did you just wake well, up one day and think, you know what, I'm going to be best friends with Arnie? Well, it's funny. That's how minds work. And our, our mate, uh, you know, Richard from EA Mindset would probably be able to give us more of the uh, the theory behind how this works. But, you know, it's kind of like I had been programming my brain with Arnold in particular since I was a teenager, you know, walking around my local high school, reciting his movie lines and all of that. I was a literal fanboy that, that that's just crazy. So it's like I'd been programming my unconscious my whole life. But what happened was I didn't just go straight from, uh, you know, a coach who would get, you know, 12 to 50 people in a room to do some training at a very low cost to filling up a, you know, 1,500-seat auditorium with Arnold Schwarzenegger headlining. We went up in levels, you know. But once I got a taste of what's possible, 
I, you know, I, I did a small event with just my clients, just me and a couple of students of mine who had done some good uh, business in real estate. And, you know, so after, after that went well, I then reinvested instead of one of the secrets is instead of taking profits and buying a BMW, I took those profits and reinvested them in the next marketing piece and the next marketing piece. So it's kind of like I've been playing poker with my business and I've been going all in every hand. Because, you know, if I do an event that might earn $15,000 in profit, well, instead of living on that $15,000 for the quarter and living the high life, I'll live on you know, the bare minimum and put $12,000 in marketing into my next event and get 100 people at that next event and so on and so on. And eventually, one of the speakers at one of my events asked this magic question. It was, what would your goals be if you couldn't fail? And then at another seminar that I that I put on, another one of my speakers, and I go to my own seminars. Like I sit in the audience. I don't sit backstage and sip on lattes. I sit in the audience and learn. So when when one of uh, the other speakers said, um, and it was Eric Thomas, E.T., I don't know if E.T., the hip-hop preacher, rings a bell, but he's a, just a legend of, no. of professional speaking. Check him out if you haven't. Um, and uh, he said, what would your goals be if you weren't afraid? You know, and there's a really but, – but the answer to that question – because to me, the, the question was the same in both instances. You know, what would your goals be without limitations if you weren't hindered by limitations? And I wrote on that goal list, have Arnold Schwarzenegger headline at one of my events because he's been my hero since I was a child. And I went and I, um, I investigated and I found him. Uh, well, I f- actually, I had to f- look pretty hard to find the people who actually represented him. But Eventually, after much deliberation and figuring out what's possible, what's not possible, being told no a bunch of times, the universe lined up and my patience lined up and no turned to maybe and then maybe turned to probably not, but who knows. And then eventually after a bit, it turned into, well, what about? And I tell you, the scariest thing happened in the world. They came back with, well, if you can do this, then we can do it. So here I was with my hero, like the 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 mentor of my dreams for the last 30 years. And all I've got to do is say yes and come up with the budget because when you want an American A-lister to come and speak at your little real estate seminar, that ain't going to be free to get them to bother to come out from the States. So I knew I needed about half a million dollars um, for his fee and for the venue and all of that stuff, and I didn't have half a million dollars. I didn't have anywhere near half a million dollars liquid in cash, you know. So here I was with the dilemma of all dilemmas. I had the opportunity of a lifetime and I had no capacity monetarily to say yes. But then, you know, you mentioned my man before, Sir Richard. One of his quotes came through my head and that was, um, you know, because, again, I'm a student of these guys. And one of Richard's quotes came through my head that when an amazing opportunity comes your way, say yes and then figure it out later. So I just had to say yes and then make it happen. So I just willed the dollars to fund something that probably was, because this wasn't a big company. This was just me. Like literally, it was just Glenn Twiddle who did this. No big corporation, no big conglomerate, no big brand behind me. It was me, my partner Naomi, our checkbook and our will. And we ended up with having, you know, one of the most successful real estate events and conferences that Australia's ever seen. And we've parlayed that and we've done it, uh, we've done it, you know, a whole bunch of times since. And because I've got a taste for what's possible then, you know what I mean? So it's been a wild ride though. But that's how the Arnold thing happened is I dared to answer that question that a speaker dared to ask me. And I was honest with myself about what my answer would be. And then when that answer came in, even though I didn't particularly like it, I just said yes, and I threw caution to the wind and went all in and then some. I think that's fantastic, and especially now at this time of year, coming up to New Year, everybody talks about setting goals, Um, but that's a great question to ask yourself. So what would your goal be if you couldn't fail? Um, And Mm. I know when I was um, in agency, every year about this time of year, we used to be setting our goals, both personal and both business, and then coming up with a collage that was in front of us um, all the time so we could visualize what we wanted to achieve um, that year and then just making sure they were all a smart, achievable, realistic, um, achievable, smart, measurable, and time-related. So um, that's Mm. absolutely fantastic. It's a good formula to start with. Let me just add, though, with that. If your life depends on them, throw realistic in there. 
But at least when you're dreaming, just get that realistic and achievable stuff out of there. Because if I'd have applied those two, uh, what do you call those things? Those two criteria to the question when I was setting that big, grand, giant dream, unachievable and unrealistic goal, then it never would have happened. So sure, when you've got your targets of what you act, what you want in your business, you know, if your last commission for the year was 70,000, maybe don't make your goal for the year 1.5 million, perhaps, unless of course, you are willing to throw caution to the wind and just literally end 2019, unable to breathe because you couldn't have put in any more effort. Can someone go from 70,000 a year, 70,000 pounds, I forget where I'm talking to, so 70,000 pounds to 1.5 million pounds? Sure you can. And absolutely, we could just break that down to the criteria that it would take to do it, and you could do it. It's, if it's humanly possible to do by someone, then you can do it. It's just a question of will you do it, you know? So I've always been cautious of that achievable and realistic because I've been given that advice before, and it was the safety of the question that allowed me to literally put my biggest, grandest dream goal out there that if I'd have applied the achievable and the realistic to it, that would never have happened. Certainly wouldn't have happened within the year from when I hit the goal, when I set the goal. It's phenomenal. It's losing that self-limiting belief, isn't it, in a way. So look, Glenn, something like this takes a huge amount of drive, determination. Um, and I've been amazed. Tom Panos, uh, who we've had on the show previously, talks about his 5am club. Um, I think the first thing you said to us is uh, 5 a.m.s for pussies. Um, and you were a 4 <laughs> Don't Tom, he's my man. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're a 4 a.m. starter. We were getting WhatsApp calls and, 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 and between us in, in the group, we were um, talking myself, Stephen and Luke. And, and it's like, this guy's insane. It's like 4 a.m. there. Or it's like 3.30. Um, where'd you get your drive from? What, what's, what's your why? What, why? Why the early starts? Well, it's maybe a little bit, and here's what I love about my answer now, is that this might let some people who don't feel they deserve success to get it. It's almost fear and pettiness and small-mindedness and lack of self-esteem that tells me that while I'm in such demand, because we've figured out this system to help agents get to be famous in their area where they can't walk down the streets without, you know, they can't go to their local shops and, and do their grocery shopping without constantly being barraged by people in their community going, oh, hi, Jared. Hi, Chris. You know, what's going on with the market now? The people who, in, it's like a celebrity goes to the shops, you know. Some of my uh, students have said they can't get their frozen foods at their local shops anymore because it would all be melted by the time they got home. So since developing this phenomena, I have been on real momentum with being inundated with opportunities to help agents do better, um, you know, because I think there's a real changing market now going from one, you know, the real estate agent version 1.0 or 2.0 to a whole new animal of having to be a marketer as well as, or perhaps instead of a prospector. And so it's my fear that coaches like Lee Woodward, and um, uh, Michael Sheargold and all the other legendary coaches in Australia who I do believe in my heart of hearts are amazing coaches who I learned from in many cases. And because I kind of think in my head they're better than me, I feel that my only strategic advantage is strike while the iron's hot and demand for my services is so in demand. So I figure... I better go hard now while the going's good. So if there are people in America, because I did some keynote speeches and things in, in the States, and so I've got people in America who want my help, so I'm up at 2 and 3 a.m. to do their coaching, their webinars, and their work. That way I can be done with all that by 7 a.m. when my responsibilities to Australian agents start. And then that can go all the way over to West Australia where I can still be working at 10 p.m. because that's 8 p.m. over on the other side of our country in Perth and, um, and, and so on. So it's almost like I feel like this magic ride where I'm in as much or more demand as the best coaches in this country whom I have on a pedestal ahead of me, it's almost like I use my admiration of them that the only advantage I've got is I'll work 18 hours a day 
while they're talking on their stages about having work-life balance and they're talking about how you've got to have balance or you'll burn out and stuff like that. Well, I've been going this hard since 2009 and I ain't burnt out yet. So I figure they can have their burnout reducing, sit on the beach and, you know, get up at 8am and sip on a latte. Well, by 8am, I've already done six hours work. And then after they go home to bed and have a nice beer and, you know, hang out with their wife, I'm still working for four hours after they go to bed. So I've got 10 hours on them. And if that's all I need to catch them or heaven forbid, maybe even beat them, then I use my own pettiness as the drive. And I know that's, that doesn't sound very inspirational, but it's the truth is that's why I go hard because I don't think I'm worthy like I do those people who I learned from. It's pretty sick, I suppose. But anyway. <laughs> How does Glenn get work-life balance then? Uh, you mentioned your beautiful partner, Naomi. Um, do, do, you, do you set aside uh, downtime? Do you have, uh, do you block out four weeks a year and you say, look, that's my non-negotiable. That's my time with, with, with my family. Um, what, what does a work-life balance look like for, for an insanely driven um, multi-time zone real estate coach, um, Glenn, Glenn Twiddle? Well, for the last, probably since 2015, so what's that, three good solid years, uh, there hasn't been balance. You know, my, my, you know, my relationship with my partner was easy. She's my GM, co-speaker, um, COO, CEO. She's everything in this business. She's as much a part of this business as I am. You know, if you were to say that um, I'm the mouth of this organization and half the brain, Right? So I come up with the marketing strategies, um, I come up with the innovation and all of that sort of thing. As a student of other people around the world, I'm, a, I'm an avid student, um, so I come up with that. So I'm the mouth and half the brains of this organization. She's the other half of the brain and the hands because we don't only coach, we help our students implement these strategies because one of the keys when I was just coaching and I was just espousing information is some students would implement, but many wouldn't. The key was in the implementation. So we took that problem off their hands and we have a team of admin people who implement like a PA would for our students. So Naomi is in charge of the actual doing. So that's how I got some balance with my partner is we work together. So, you know, literally those 18-hour days, we're together those 18-hour days, whether, you know, she was just here, she's she's nipped off to do something for her kids while I'm on this podcast. So, you know, but the minute we're off this podcast, we'll all morning we were discussing our strategies and our plans for next year. So, you know, with regards to our partner, that's how I make it work is she's as crazy as I am. And so I've found the perfect partner who is equally up at 3 and 4 a.m. So she's just as insane as me. One of the beauty things is, is I happen to have stumbled across a perfect partner who is just as risk tolerant as I am, meaning when we put, like our last big event was nearly a million dollars in, and you know, when you do a big event, all of the expenses come up front, just like in real estate, all of your marketing expenses come up front and all of your listings and then subsequently your payments come some months later. So there's very few partners I would expect that would be okay with me putting a million dollars on the on the roulette table and rolling the dice and maybe getting your money back, maybe not. So, you know, that's kind of how we get partnership with, um, you know, with her. But yeah, the real answer to the question that'll be helpful for your students is if you want to win a gold medal, metaphorically speaking, I don't know many gold medal Olympians, and I actually do know a few gold medal Olympians who had for the four years where they were training for that gold medal, who had work-life balance. So what I would say is if your goals are far and above what you've ever done before, far and above what the industry average is in your area, then maybe temporarily work-life balance could be secondary to you going hard for, what, maybe five years? If you give this business, and certainly I can't speak for the UK, but I can speak for Australia, if you give this business here five years of insanity that none of your competitors in real estate will do, and none of them will go as crazy as some of my top students. If you will do what they won't do for five years, you can live the rest of your life just on momentum and database to the tune of seven figures. And isn't it okay to put in five years of insanity? Isn't that what we do at university where we go to uni, we get a part-time job, we eat two-minute noodles, we sleep on a friend's dorm floor because we can't afford rent, we party and we drink, and we basically punt those five years without sleep 
Well, imagine if we did that in this business and then live the rest of our lives like a champion. You know, I'm sort of maybe misquoting Muhammad Ali. Can I um, just follow up on what you said there, Glenn? So um, there's a few things that you said I want to pick up on, and, it, and it's all great. Um, so first thing there, you discussed about implementation and action. So, you know, as you call them, we've got a lot of students um, that love listening to podcasts, um, that love coming to training events. Um, they love writing loads and loads of notes down, which is great. Their biggest challenge is actually actioning and implementing the stuff that they pick up. So what would be your tips to actually um, JFDI? Oh, JFDI. Okay, got it. No, no, I got it. JFDI. Um, we haven't the main sworn thing... yet on this podcast. Sorry? <laughs> we haven't sworn yet on this podcast. Oh, good. We'll keep it, we'll keep it PG. That's cool. No problem. <laughs> Although you did say you wanted me to see if I can get Gary Vaynerchuk on here. Well, I'll do my best, but believe me, that PG rating will be out the window if we get the great man on here. I can promise you that. <laughs> but um, as far as the, the, the implementation of the Just Do It, here would be my advice that if you're not going to fully intend to implement at least something that you've learned, stop listening to us now. Well, you know what? You could listen to us now because, you know, this is at least interesting. I can talk to you about, you know, drinking bourbon with Sylvester Stallone. That was pretty cool. I played at a card game with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jason Statham was at the table. Stallone was at the table. Schwarzenegger's house. He had all his friends there. I took 10 of my students with me. We played cards with 50 of us there at Arnold's house. That was pretty cool. So now I've entertained you. And it's true, by the way. Um, but if you're not going to implement when you go to one of these guys' seminars over there, and heaven forbid I'm trying to talk them into getting me to come over there and let's raise some hell. But if you don't just come for entertainment, let's go to the bloody bar, do shots of Jack Daniels, because to go to the seminar and not to implement, you may as well not go to the seminar, you know, unless, of course, you know, you sickly do just get entertained. And look, maybe that's valid. Maybe there is some entertainment factor in feeling inspired but it's, it's not real unless you take that stuff away and go and do something with it. So I here would be my two takes on, on implementing. Is one, I take two lots of notes when I'm uh, at a seminar. Well, the first thing I do is I always buy the recordings if given the opportunity. I buy the recordings to the seminar. That way I don't have to get every nuance there and then at the seminar, even though I still take notes. I buy the recording so I can listen to it in my own time and very carefully go through every word of it, push pause on it, take notes, get my PA to start things and and move from there. So I get recorded things like on this, you know, on your podcast, some of them will be more content driven, some of them will be more principle driven. This one's more principle driven. Um, but yeah, I'd, I, I re-listen to the same thing over and over and over again till I get it, till I internalize it, you know, until I can truly make it my own. The next thing I do is when I'm taking notes, I'll write inspirational and take notes in the traditional form in the front of my notebook. In the back of my notebook, I might take one page of notes and they will be just bullet points. And that's not my notes. That's my action steps of what I am going to do. And then what I do with that going to do list is I transfer it. Once I've flushed out the implementation steps, the milestones, maybe what needs to happen. One of the principles that I learned that I've now kind of innovated down in this country is, um, you know, if real estate agents aren't trusted whatsoever and people who are authors, you know, Dr. Phil and like basically everyone who's famous has written a book, they are trusted more than most people in our society. So why haven't we all written a book on our area of expertise if the community at large deems us experts if we've written a book? So you might take that principle and say, wow, I'd like to write a book. So we write down a few of our execution steps. It might be contact Glenn Twiddle's team and get the graphic design done on my book cover. It might be write my book, or it might be ask Glenn if he's got a ghostwriter to write my book for me which I have done because my guys couldn't be bothered writing their own book, you know. So you might write down a few of the big milestones. And then I would write that up on a, for me, I transfer those notes once they've been flushed out onto a, uh, a whiteboard that's in my office and it's visible. Like it's not a document that's on my computer that I can ignore. It's my biggest, boldest, most attention-getting and annoying whiteboard in my office. And frankly, it's the fact that it sits on my whiteboard for so long without action that I just, I have to do it 
just because it's pissing. I mean, it's upsetting me. Sorry, edit out. It's upsetting me sitting there on the whiteboard, annoying me. I'd rather do it and not for the benefits of having done it, that with all the money and all the success that that doing of it might enjoy. The main reason I'll do it is just so it can stop annoying me sitting up there on the whiteboard. So again, it's almost like some weird negativity that I'm applying to get a positive outcome. So for me, that was it. Detailed note-taking, then action bullet point note-taking in the back of my book with things that I'm going to commit to do. Then the next step is I just, when I get home, I transfer that to my home office note uh, uh, whiteboard that is right there and visually annoying right in front of my field of vision in my office. And I just keep chipping things off that uh, board until I've done stuff. And it's amazing the amount of stuff that that simple little, like some of the guys who have got a Stephen Covey planner with all of the planning, planning, planning kind of things in the world. And they spend their whole time planning and not enough time doing. That simple little system has had me known by some people in this country as the implementation king. And it's kind of embarrassing because I just do stuff that I say I'm going to do. And to me, that shouldn't be celebrated. That should be just the norm. But as you've said, it seems that the actual implementation is is a rare thing and it doesn't have to be. Um, so maybe that kind of answers a little bit of the question. But yeah, how I started is if you're not going to implement, let's just go drinking. Let's go do shots. <laughs> More well, fun. Def- definitely done beats perfect. So, you know, just just take action. You know, even if it's a start, it's, it's better than you were yesterday. Yeah, and I also like getting a bias for completion, Steve. You know what I mean? Once you get a, once you do something and it's even a little thing, like say it's just a script that you might have got, where you know over here we've got a real fee, a fee fight going on. So one of the first things I get my guys when I take on a new coaching client is just to implement five minutes, ten minutes worth of dialogue that they learn off by heart, a little questioning flow that helps them get a higher fee and defend a fee if their fee is a bit higher than their competitor. Well, once you've got that and it's internalized and it is installed in your system, you get to tick it off and you get to be in the habit of ticking things off. And yeah, I love, you know, the way you just quoted that. I've had a saying for years and I don't know if I'm stealing it from someone. If I am, I've got to find it. But I've always said, don't let perfect get in the way of done. Totally. Totally. Um, Just on what you said there, fees, funnily enough, are a massive issue here. Um, would you be kind enough to share your script for the um, people that are listening? I love it. We're going to force them to what, listen to the 27 minutes of the fluff principle-based stuff. We're only talking to the stayers. I love it, mate. Well done. <laughs> All right. So let's give, them, let's give them a really good one. So the first thing is if it's in the presence of having implemented a marketing system along the lines of what I've described, and again, if maybe we catch up at some stage or I show you visually or you know, maybe I can, yeah, I'll, I'll get you some resources, um, just some examples, and you can put them in the show notes somehow of, uh, you know, they could see visually what I mean by the sorts of personal brand marketing pieces that could be installed so that the community members actually know your name. Because here's the script. What we need to assume, though, is that you've seen me in your letterbox, in your social media feeds, in, in various places that you look, be it a branded car in the neighborhood, be it a billboard, letterbox, social media, news feeds, on your computer, just everywhere, you've seen the name Glenn Twiddle because you've learned how to be a saturation marketer, dialed back about 20% from being an annoyance. So if, if that was the presupposition with which we go into this discussion, And therein lies the hard part is getting that to be the case. So many of your listeners wouldn't, because I've never marketed in the UK, they may never have known my name. But I tell you, if you're an agent in Australia, you know the name Glenn Twiddle because I've been annoying you for just years, right? So um, that's the first thing. We need to have them know our name by being just a little bit annoying. All right, so in the presence of that, let's role play a little bit, Steve. So, Stephen, I understand based on everything we've talked about that you like what we're going to do for you. You like the idea of, you know, how we market it. And again, when we were talking a minute ago, you were expressing really uh, enthusiastic results about the, you know, the, the case study that I showed you of uh, Kevin Brown. You, so we're agreed that, you know, you do want me to kind of be your guy, but if you've got a guy that's going to do it for two-thirds of the money, we at least need to consider that. But is that right? If we were the same dollars, would I be your choice? 
Yes, you would. Yes, you would. And to be honest, you know, for me, it's it is about the money. Um, it will help, you know, on my next stage, so I can put that to my next to my next chapter and my next plans. That will help with the kids' school fees. Yeah, man, a thousand percent, absolutely. And here's my concern: is that you could sell this property yourself, Steve, and get like, um, and again, let's just break role play for a minute. How much is the average commission over there, bud? Like the average, and what's a low commission, and what's a high one? Uh, well, look, we've got, I think the average now is down to 1.18% recent research sets. Um, however, there are some And what's the average that, price of a property? Uh, the average price in property is around about the £200,000 mark. So, so that's um, £2,000 commission low end, £6,000 high end. Yeah, and, and you know what? There's agents out there that are getting um, 2% in areas where their competitors are charging 0.75%. So absolutely. What, let's take that. Let's what, take a one percent agent at two thousand pounds and a two percent agent at four thousand pounds. Let's just take that. Yeah. So back into role play. So Steve, here's my concern: is that with your property, and I know that we've talked about price. There's still a bit of fine tuning on our pricing strategy to do yet, but we're at about the two hundred thousand pounds mark, right? And what most experts agree around the world, from within my mastermind group that I composed. That mastermind group includes a brains trust that includes, you know, your countryman, Sir Richard Branson, um, internationals like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, all of the, John McGrath, one of the greatest real estate minds in Australia. All of these entrepreneurial people always come into our little mastermind group and we share data from around the world. And what me and some of the leading agents who take part in that mastermind group have agreed that there's about conservatively plus or minus 5%, from time to time, plus or minus 10% of the value of a property that is up for grabs at any given time, and it's going to go one way or the other. What that means is, say it's plus or minus 5%, 5% of your $200,000 is £10,000. So at a fire sale, you would be able to sell it for yourself for about 180000 quid, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's you selling it yourself, paying no commission. Yeah. Similarly, so that's minus 5%. Minus 10% is 180,000 pounds, 5% is 190,000. Even if this property is only worth 200,000 pounds. What I contend to you that what we've found is in the presence of a great marketing strategy that gets multiple buyers to fall in love with your property and a great negotiating strategy that pits buyers against each other so that there's a little bit of fear of loss. So they feel like they're fighting for that property. And I don't necessarily mean the auction method of sale, because that's not the only method to transact a property and get that competitive advantage. But in the presence of a skillful negotiator and a skillful marketer, we've seen upwards of a 10% premium above the price. So even if it's conservatively plus or minus 5%, there is £20,000 right now in limbo and it is going to go somewhere. It's either going to go in the pocket of your buyer in the form of a discount or it's going to go in your pocket. So my concern with going with the guy who is is half of our price, he's 1% and we're two. So the difference there, it's going to be a difference of £2,000. I can't let you, Stephen, Put your £20,000 conservatively into the hands of someone who is willing to halve their own commission the minute you just said boo. Because guess what's going to happen to that £20,000 that's in limbo? When your $200,000 asset is in their hands, they've shown you how good a negotiator negotiator they are. But here's the other question I just asked you, Stephen. Of all of the agents that you've seen out there doing step one of that process, the marketing, the exposure of your property, in our area, who's the agent that you've seen and demonstrated to you their proficiency in the marketing space? Like, out of all the agents there, whose name do you know? Well, that's why I, that's why I called you in because you were named after my favourite ever footballer. So <laughs> that gives you half a chance being called Glenn. If you were called Hoddle <laughs> after that, then it'd be you would be nailed on certainty. You would have got ten percent from me. <laughs> but oh God, I love you, man. I love you. <laughs> And, and, and I suppose here's the thing, Stephen, is that's what, I, what I'm sort of saying to you, bud. And look, let me make this a no-brainer for you. First off, we've shown that I'm the guy that, look, is pretty good at this marketing thing, mate. I've figured a few things out because I'm the only bloke that you've seen literally every week, if not every day, for the last three years, and that's why you called me in. And let me ask you this. Have I not shown you that at least I'm half decent at this negotiating thing based on the fact that, hey, 
I'm going to charge you double what the other dude's going to charge you, and I'm showing you why that's valid. I've shown you I'm a half-decent negotiator too, haven't I? Don't you want me on your side when your biggest asset that you're ever likely to own is sitting there in limbo? Do you want it in the hands of me or in the hands of old mate who'll, who'll drop his comm when you just ask? So what I'm saying there, mate, is you've just out-negotiated the bloke that you are going to employ to be a professional negotiator for you. Mate, you should be just selling it yourself if you're going to go with him. Perfect. You know? But let me make it real easy for you. Steve, I'm going to match his 1%, right? I'm going to match it for you. But that means you're... Done. But You've that, hired. But then you'll, that means you're cheap. You're not going to negotiate for me. No, 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 no. But Steve, but Steve, here's what I'm going to ask you in return. I've got a team both internally and a team of external agents who all work with me. And if you're, I'm going to ask you to sign up this listing at 2% and I'm going to write in your listing paperwork. Now, big caveat here, you've got to figure out if this is, if you can do this based on your principal licensee, your owner and all of that. I'm going to write here in the fine print here that if you deem that after all of this is said and done, that what we do, that the price we end up getting, the service you receive, and the eventual result you get, if in your estimation, and you're the only one, Steve, who gets a vote on this, if in your estimation, I haven't earned that extra 2,000 pounds in the form of essentially getting the buyer to pay it through my marketing and negotiation skills, and you're the only one who gets a vote, if I haven't earned that extra 2,000, you just tick this little box, you submit it to the office, and I've matched the guy who is only going to charge you 1%. So I'm taking the risk off your shoulders, mate. I'm hoping I want to be as fair as I possibly can. All I'm asking you, mate, is if I can show you, let me earn that extra premium in the form of getting you an extra premium on the value of your property. And if I'm unable to do that, mate, you've hired the best marketer and negotiator for the price of a rookie. I mean, is that pretty fair? That's pretty fair to me. That's fantastic. Thank you. So... Right, so breaking role play, you see what I've done. Now, the one downside to that, and you could do that whole questioning flow without the risk reversal, right? All I'm doing there with that risk reversal is literally making it so you can't say no to yeah. me, right? That's all that last bit is. But if you do that last bit, you have to then, the ball's in your court to be the best marketer you can be. You better be getting multiple offers on these properties and you better be a freaking beast negotiator that is able to demonstrate to that consumer why you are worth more. Because if you can't, if they just think you're the same as every other dodgy agent, well, frankly, you deserve to only get the 1%. This is a way for you to front end, get your paperwork signed up at Fullcom, but now it's yours to lose. And that's the whole new uh, chapter and module is how to defend that fee once you've got it. But I tell you, it's better to have it and have it yours to lose and have the ball in your court than have to drop your pants at the first sign of someone saying boo to you. In the absence of value, people will always buy on price. I think that's absolutely brilliant advice. Yeah, well, it's been, it's, well look, let me just say the other thing is you, you, you don't have to kind of take my word for that one. That has closed millions of dollars worth of commissions and maybe one in 30 times the box gets ticked. So it's not bad. Let me ask you a couple of things on there because they're great, great, great tips. So, um, Glenn, where you and Naomi live, do you own your own property? Absolutely, several. Um, okay, so when you bought them, presumably you bought them through an agent? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, are any of the properties you bought, would you have paid any more money? I love your questioning flow, bro. It's like you've stolen my script book. <laughs> but yeah, the answer is 1000%. I've never bought, and I'm honestly, when I say this, I've never bought through a skillful agent. I've always yeah. bought well. So exactly. So would you rather have me acting on your behalf with your biggest tax-free asset <laughs> who can put more money in your pocket or an agent who's prepared to accept the first offer that they took on the property you bought? Damn straight. Mate, we use that same questioning flow if we know that that's the case because we've got access to what these properties were listed at back five years ago and what they were sold at. So we're asking that line of questioning when we know that their answers is absolutely going to serve our purpose. It's a beautiful line okay, of And the other thing was, you know, the flexi fee, you know, and what you'll find is the cheapskates will pay you the lower amount anyway because that's what they were always going to pay you. Um British people tend to be very conservative, so they may pay you the one in the middle, 
Um, and actually, if you give outstanding customer service, you may even get more than what you were originally asking. So, you know, if some people were 1%, one and a half and 2%. Some of you will end up getting 2% on this flexi fee arrangement by giving world-class outstanding customer, customer service. But remember, you know, using nebulous terms, let me just pick you up on that, Steve, because I know that as a student, I've heard things like world-class outstanding customer service and things. And I would just tighten up on the word service and really map that out into what that translates to when it's through the filter of what's in it for me. Meaning the consumers out there, some of them don't care about service the way we care about service. What does service mean to them? What do they want? And whatever it is that they want, then we over-deliver and give them that, you know. And so there's a bunch of different things that you can do so that they will then see the value that you have provided rather than us just doing it all behind closed doors and them not – they need to see us bleed for them. When they see you bleed for them by doing things like sending them their vendor feedback report at 10.40 at night – if you get your, you know, if you send a little voice message like I sent you guys to book this podcast and it's at 3.30 a.m. and you're saying, hey, I'm just out putting out the signs for the day, guys, ready for the open homes uh, later this morning. Can't wait to see you. It's going to be a great day. By the way, last night I did rotate some of the images on, on the website to get that hero shot to be nice and fresh. Look forward to seeing you at the open house. Uh, the open house. Do you think they might say what you guys said about me? This guy's a freaking maniac. He's up working on our property at 3 a.m. Those are all the little things you can do to psychologically in debt, and there's probably about half an hour's worth of things we could talk about that you can do to psychologically in debt your client into not daring. No matter how conservative you think those Brits might be, you psychologically in debt a human being, they ain't going to tick that 2,000-pound thing when you deliver them 20,000 pounds extra in their estimation. And that's an art in and of itself. All about adding value throughout mm. the whole journey. A yep. um, couple of things, because um, I appreciate you've been up since um, <laughs> 10, 10, midnight, 11, 11, 11.50 last night. So you're almost up to 24 hours. So That was a crazy um, one. That's not every rock- time. That, that was a crazy <laughs> one. <laughs> um, you talk about rock star famous. Um, mm-hmm. And what does that actually mean? You know, it means that, well, first thing is if you went to your local shopping centre and you asked standard passers-by of the age of homeowning age, say 30 years old and up, 35, 40 years old and up, say, if I said to you the name Glenn Twiddle, what would that mean to you? Well, the average real estate agent, that would be zero out of 20, right? Zero out of 20. Once you've got 15 people out of 20 of property owning age say, oh, yeah, that's the real estate guy. That's rock star famous. The first thing you've got to do is they need to know your name. Now, most real estate agents, they spend all week, 60-hour weeks working hard, working on their branding and their messaging and their, you know, their copywriting and their listings and their this and their that and getting their CMYK corporate brand standards correct on their sold flyer. And they do all of this work all day, every day, all week, every week, living and breathing their business. And yet they would be appalled to know how little their consumer is thinking about them. So what I would say is this is the example I get. Stephen, um, have you guys, you guys have accountants in your business? Oh, does everyone have an accountant over there for their annual tax? Yep, in theory, yes. Okay, so how often do you think about your accountant, Steve? Oh, me, every month. Every month. And that's because you're in business and all of yes. that. And But the average Brit, how often would they think about their account? Uh, when, they the just, average when they just have to submit their ta- tax return. Um, so most probably once a year when they have to put all yep, their... So maybe once a year. As little as possible, Andy. I love it. So, so the metaphor here is if you've listed or sold for someone in the past, your inverted commas, their accountant... And they will be thinking about you if you stay in touch, maybe every time they need you at most once a year, but probably once every three to four years when they need the services of a real estate agent, right? That's if you've sold or listed for them historically and stayed in touch somewhat. Steve, let me ask you, how often do you think about your accountant's competitor and what they're up to? 
I wouldn't even know who my accountant's competitor is. Ever. So here's the scary thing. That accountant's competitor, he wakes up every day thinking about the the financial laws and the changes to fiscal taxation legislation. And he has committed his life and a however long many year degree, and he has committed to serving the business owners in your area with his life. He spends his 60 to 80 hour week running his business, his accountancy firm, living and breathing, serving the, and you don't even know his name. Well, let's change that metaphor. If you haven't listed and sold for a member of your community, that's you. Your community members aren't thinking about you as a real estate agent and what you're up to ever, right? Ever, never, 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 unless you make them, right? So our job as marketers is not to just do what every other real estate agent does. And I'm sure there is a typical thing over there that real estate agents do. Over here, it's maybe knock on a door, make a cold call, or stick a little letter in the letterbox that says, hi, we're in your street next week, and we'd love to give you a free appraisal on the value of your home, if you'd like one. Well, every real estate agent does it to the point where no one cares about a free appraisal anymore, because there's no such thing as a paid appraisal. And that's it's just, it is not you know, they talk about the term unique selling proposition. Well, believe me, when every other agent in the world is doing it, that ain't unique. So we need to stand out and make it so that just like your accountant's competitor, first step he needs to get is for you to know, well, you know, my accountant's Bob Smith and Mark Bob down the road is, well, I've got his book on how to maximize my wealth retirement strategy. And He's pretty bloody good. Look, I'm going to stick with my account for now, but I tell you what, that other dude's pretty good. The first thing you've got to do is have them know your name. And the problem that we have as real estate agents is, is that if they don't need a real estate agent, they don't care about what we're doing in real estate. So we have to do a variety of different things to get their attention so that we can get them into our clutches. Like there's going to be a whole bunch of people now that know my name and some of them might message me on Facebook. And if you mention that you're a friend of, of the EA podcast, that I'll, I'll give you some freebies, right? I'll give you a free training. In fact, I'll just think about what I can give while I'm doing this, but I'll make sure it's a good gift worth a couple of hundred dollars that I normally sell for a couple of hundred bucks, right? That's, that's great. I know Richard, I know, I know Richard Morris is going to be on the phone um, within seconds. Um, saying, give me it, give me it, give me it. No, I'll get you some. I love Rich. He's been a champion, that bloke, I tell you. So um, so we'll get you something, right? But here's the thing. Once they're in my clutches because I've given them something for free, do you think I'm ever going to, they're ever going to hear my name again? Of course they are. Now I'm rarely going to, I'll keep a separate UK database that I probably will never, you know, I'll, I'll only come over there when you guys sort of, when I, when I beg you guys to bring me over there and we'll do something, you know, but that's the principle is I get you into our clutches by whatever means necessary that you have to give. And you may not need a coach yet. You certainly don't need a paid one. So let me serve you for free. And then four years from now, when the market tanks and you decide you need a coach, you might just go, well, if that free thing that he gave me that was really freaking valuable, if he's giving that away for free, what the hell are these maniacs paying him a hundred grand a year for? And you might just put yourself on the waiting. You know what I'm saying? So it's about what can you do at a real estate agency level to get their attention and heaven forbid, maybe even gift them something that isn't a free appraisal that no one cares about, gift them something in exchange for getting them into your database so that you can let a multimedia, multi-step follow-up sequence seduce them over the course of the next three years until such time as they need a real estate agent. Brilliant. Glenn, um, we mentioned Richard Morris there, great, great, great guy, and I'm uh, pri privileged to know him, and he's obviously part of Stephen's Mastermind group. Um, when you first connected, he tells this during the early interactions um, when you were establishing, you know, working together, you send him a list of 20 questions. Now he's been very guarded. What were those 20 questions and why did you send them? I wonder if that, that may have been, and I'm not sure because I, I do get contacted by literally hundreds of agents a week, but Richard did stand out because very smart. Isn't that interesting that hundreds of real estate agents contact me as a service provider to the industry. So I can't know thousands of real estate agents in like there's 40,000 real estate agents in Australia, I can't even know a tenth of them, not a hundredth of them, and certainly not all around the world. But yet I know Richard Morris by name. 
How did he do that? Well, with just regular pieces of contact, you know, pretty cool. So, um, but what that questions would have been, that's part of my sales process. If the, if this is the questions that we're talking about in that before I take on a coaching client in any capacity, I want to find out where they're at and where they want to get to. So I send a little questionnaire that is designed to the answers to that question, give them clarity for one about what gaps they need. Like when I ask, um, what are your follow-up procedures for your buyers of your properties? And they say, oh, a box of flowers. They might read into that that we need to do better than just a box of flowers or, a, you know, a bottle of wine or something, you know. It, what the questionnaire does is, it pulls out the gaps in the business so that I know whether or not I can help, you know? So that may be the questionnaire. It's just a series of questionnaires of how you're going. What are you currently doing to get the listings you're currently getting? What are your follow-up procedures like? What are your marketing procedures like? And I go through a bunch of questions, the answers to which do two things. A, they point out the gaps that need filling. So even if they don't end up being a client, I can still get on the phone with them, talk to them about a few of the things that they should do, and then even if they don't engage me to help them do it, I've done nothing but add value to that person. So they will genuinely leave that interaction with that principle that I mentioned before called psychological indebtedness to the point where if I serve you far beyond anything, me ever asking you for any money, if ever I do ask for any money for, say, buy a copy of my book, Punching Above Your Weight on Amazon, you get the embedded command right there, buy my <laughs> book on Amazon, um, so if ever I say, go and buy my $20 book on Amazon, which in pounds might end up at being 10 quid, you might, because I've given you a $200 free gift as a part of this podcast, you might go give me 10 quid as weighing up that psychological indebtedness. Only you know? if you sign and, it, Glenn, only if you sign it. Mate, it would be my honour. But no, you guys get them free, right? You guys just <laughs> give me an address and you guys get all the books you want to give away to your listeners for free, right? But that's the principle. So if that if, if that's the questionnaire that, um, that I sent, Richard, it would have been that. That is part of my sales process, but it starts with me giving without expectation. And Richard, by the way, hasn't become a paying client and that's cool. You know, that's good. He got me on this podcast, you know, so God bless him and, you know, I'll, he'll be getting free stuff from me and as will all your listeners because that, you know, and you've seen if you if your guys aren't listeners of the Gary Vaynerchuk world, he's got a book called Jab, 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 Right, right Hook. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that metaphor is just give, 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 give. And he said to me personally in real estate, you know what, that jab, 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 right hook probably should be in your industry because of the reputation you guys have got. It probably should be jab, 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 right hook, right? We probably have to do 50 times the giving before we've earned the right to ask for anything. So that's kind of what that is. Fantastic. Phenomenal. So one final question before we wrap up. One, we're incredibly grateful for your time. Two, Richard Morris, you're a legend. So thank you so much for getting Glenn on the show. Um, this this is a reader's question from Richard. Um, what are you reading at the moment? Um, and three, three books that um, our listeners should be reading if they haven't read them already. Yeah, okay. So... Um... Here's the, the answer is three won't cover it, right? Three won't cover it. <laughs> now, with the advent of things like Audible, there's no excuse anymore because I'm not much of a reader. I had to discipline myself to read maybe three or 400 books, right? And that killed me, killed. But I did it, right? Because some books you just couldn't buy the author's audio program. But I remember when I was studying, and I still am studying, I'm still an avid reader, an avid listener, an avid implementer, and I'll never stop. I do more training in marketing than most of my coaching clients put together because I need to. You know, some might argue that if I'm the best marketer in our mastermind group, that I need to do the least training. Well, I'm like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan needed to do the least basketball coach uh, practice, and yet he was first to come, last to leave. So... I'm still very avid, but I hated reading. So this audible thing that's come along, oh, it's like crack. Because here's the thing that I used to buy a speaker's $2,000 audio program just to avoid reading their $20 book. It was sick because I hated reading that much. So I was an audio programs guy. And I've listened to 
probably 10, approaching 10,000 hours, which is the magic Malcolm Gladwell number, um, 10,000 hours of listening to other experts' brains. So I will answer Richard's question, but the real answer is not any one book. It's not any three books. It's if you want to punch above your weight when you've got no right. I grew up in a place called Ipswich. Now, I don't know if Ipswich Australia is the same as Ipswich England, but Ipswich Australia is very working class. My earnings were only $40,000, so it's about 20,000 pounds. So I wasn't broke, but I was a normal wage earning idiot, right, before this whole craziness happened. And I haven't earned less than six figures since my second year in real estate. And for the last four years, I haven't earned less than seven figures. It's sick that I've been able to earn so much with so little potential. So the secret to that is I have no inbuilt talent. I have no inbuilt anything. The secret was in the 10,000 hours of listening to people like Richard Branson, Gary Vaynerchuk, and all the marketing mentors, the Tony Robbins, the Jim Rowans, whether they're the classics like Jim Rowan, Zig Ziglar, and all those old school guys going all the way back to Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret, Napoleon Hill, all the classics, all the way through to the most current of the current being, you know, the Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, etc. So it's been the lifelong learning in personal development, professional development, marketing, influence, and persuasion that has been the key to all of my success. But let me give you my one that I'm I'm not reading it right now because if it's on audio, I'll take it. It's called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And let me just say this to your listeners. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? That's all I can say. So go to Audible, give them your $15, and listen to the finest book that has ever been written. Now, I may be biased just because it's the one that I'm immersed in literally this morning for six hours when I was up at 11.50. I went for a walk for three hours and guess what I was listening to? I went to the gym, I walked to the gym, ran, jogged, walked to the gym, worked out, and that whole three hours I was listening to David Goggins and his uh, reader. It's, it's incredible. So that's the book at the moment. I'd say... Um, Anything by Gary Vaynerchuk. So let's just lump all of them into one category, even though Jab, 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 Right Hook is my favorite probably. Actually, no, you know what? The Thank You Economy is my favorite by Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, But anything by Gary is awesome. Uh, I would say my favorite book on influence persuasion, and I'm giving up the ghost here, but if your guys have sat and listened to me ramble for an hour, you've earned it. I'm going to give you the payoff. This book, if I did a $2,000 seminar on influence and persuasion, and I just taught the principles in this book, you would be happy with your $2,000 spent. Uh, And that's a book by Robert Cialdini called uh, Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion. Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion by a fellow called Robert Cialdini, C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I. And Eric Thomas, The Secrets to Success. That'd be my three. One's motivational. Uh, one is on influence and persuasion and everything by Gary Vaynerchuk is on marketing. So those will give you a magnificent overall grounding in being motivated enough to implement. That's an Eric Thomas book. Being able to market yourself in a way that gets you leads. That's the Gary V stuff. And then the other Gary V stuff is predisposing them to be psychologically indebted to you by implementing those principles that Gary V teaches you. And then Robert Cialdini's principles to close like a beast. That's a very well-grounded um, starting point for you guys. Um, so, you know, to read those books or listen to them on Audible, heaven forbid, that might be your first 30, you know, 20 to 30 hours out of your 10,000. So good start but you ain't scratched the surface. And then if you chuck David Goggins' book, You Can't Hurt Me on top of those three, you will sit there and you will, no matter how I, you you guys are saying that I'm pretty motivated and pretty fired up. I am the laziest son of a gun on the planet compared to this fellow David Goggins. He was just on Joe Rogan's podcast if you want to get a snapshot of him. Oh, my God. Brilliant. Now, Richard, when uh, I was speaking to him last night, said that... uh, you had a book and audio collection that was bordering on national library standards. And I think now I, I understand why. And uh, let me guarantee you, if Richard hasn't already got those books and audio books, they will be delivered by Monday morning. Um, it's busy here, obviously, in the UK with Christmas, but uh, I'm sure there's a, an Amazon Prime order with uh, R- Richard Morris's name on it, winging its way to him. 
and I'll make sure I get the message. <laughs> love it, love it. Glenn, you have been an absolutely awesome guest. Um, you know, we've, we've had a couple of um, podcasts which have um, re- really captured people. I think there's so much content in, in this one. It may be broken down into two episodes, but uh, I know from, from myself, Luke and Stephen, we'd really like to thank you for your time. Um, brilliant advice. And uh, yeah, if we could uh, ever get you over to the UK, that would, that would be phenomenal. You, uh, you're an inspiration. You are every bit, uh, your audio matches, your video, as Tom Panos would say, you're bouncing around the place on the WhatsApp voice messages. And it's like whatever time it is there and you're still bouncing around having been up 24 hours. Phenomenal person. Um, thank you very much for your time. So for thank you, Steven, Glenn. We really appreciate it. Oh, man, it's my honor. My honor. Let me uh, make sure that I'll, I think what I'll gift your guys is um, a bunch of trainings from some of my best students that, um, you know, that we do charge a couple of hundred bucks for. So let me gift you those. I'll get you guys those links and you can stick them in the show notes as a, as a thank you to your listeners for sitting there, listening to us um, tear it up for an hour or so. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure guys. Cheers. Bye. Have a good day.